Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope Community Church. We're glad that you're with us today. My name is Rich. I'm the pastor and technical failure here, technical director. Um, Anyway, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, It's good to know that there is uh, grace for us today, including for uh, people like me. Would you bow your heads with me? God, thank you that in moments like these, we, uh, we can have a sense of your presence with us, of you taking us by the hand, leading us through this life with all of its difficulties, with all of its dangers, with all its frustrations, with all of its anxieties and fears. God, with all of the stuff that we're going through right now, thank you for being present to us, making your presence known to us, helping us to sense that we are not in this alone, but you are with us. You are guiding us through. You're giving us the strength. You're giving us the hope that we need each and every day. Where could we go to get away from you? We were just singing about it, God. There is nothing that could happen to us. There is no place we could find ourselves where you are not there. And we thank you, God. We thank you for your presence with us. Thank you that together with all of your creation, we are able to to worship you today to celebrate you, to acknowledge you as God and King, to give you thanks for the life that you've given us, to call on you for help with the things that we need, to trust in you, that you still sit on the throne, that no matter what goes on, uh, like for example, the the transfer of power that's supposed to take place uh, this week in, in our nation's capital, where we change one president for another, Uh, where a new Congress begins their work and all that good stuff. God, we know that no matter what happens there, no no matter what happens on the world stage, there's a king over every other king, a Lord who is over every other Lord. And you have called us your own. You You have called us citizens of your kingdom. You have called us children in your family. Thank you, God. Thank you that we don't have to be afraid. Uh, We don't even have to really be nervous. I mean, we can live in this world with, with such confidence because of your love for us and your presence with us and your power that's at work in us by your Holy Spirit. Would you help us today, God, to have a sense of that? As we come to you in worship today, we come to you bringing all that we are. We don't leave any of it behind, God. And so we bring with us all that we have gone through this past week, we bring with us uh, our past and, uh, and all the good and the bad of that. And we bring with us our hopes and dreams for the future, for the rest of this day, for the rest of this week, for the rest of this year. God, we bring all of it to you today. And we entrust ourselves to you. We pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would inspire us, that you would shape our thinking and our dreaming, that you would, that you would shape our imaginations that as we picture the future that you have for us, as you picture the, the life that we are walking into moment by moment, that we can know, we can be confident, that we can picture you present with us, guiding us, leading us, empowering us, emboldening us to trust and follow you every step of the way. Thank you, God. 
Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your voice that speaks to us. Thank you for the ways that you have been at work through songwriters and, and poets and preachers and, and uh, so many, God, like Martin Luther King that was just mentioned and who, whose birthday we celebrate this weekend. God, thank you for all of those through whom you have spoken and continue to speak. Would you help us to hear your voice? Would you help us to hear your spirit, to be tuned in to you so that we don't miss what you want to say to us today? Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, The peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you to all of you who are connecting with us this morning, who are watching with us uh, online. Oh, I better grab one of these little stands so I can talk to you today. Oh, there we go. Uh, uh, I don't know how you're watching or when you're watching even. That's just kind of, a, a, kind of surreal for me. Uh, yeah, okay, there we go. Uh, to know that some of you are with us right now, Sunday morning, January 17th at uh, 9 something a.m. And, uh, and some of you are watching this later today. Some of you are watching this tomorrow. You're in the future. I feel like a time traveler or something every time we do this. So uh, thank you for connecting with us. Uh, we would love to connect with you. And so if you want to take a moment to go to livinghope.info slash connect, uh, there may or may not be a link to that in the comments or in the notes, depending on where you're watching this. Um, but uh, go to livinghope.info slash connect. You can type that into your browser and, uh, and just let us know that you're with us. Let us know how we can pray for you. I love the opportunity to pray for you and to thank God with you. When you share those things that God has been doing in your life, the ways that he has heard and answered prayers, it's a beautiful thing. But uh, one of the things I really miss and I'm looking forward to getting to experience again, once we're finally past all this stuff, is those little interactions that we have on Sunday morning. Um, most Sundays, I would get to bump into several of you and just catch up and, oh, how's it going? And you would mention some little thing going on in your life, and I would be able to maybe take a moment to pray for you, or as God brought you to mind the rest of the week, I would be able to pray and ask God to help you or celebrate with you, um, thank God for the, the ways he was at work in your life. And I don't get to do that unless you do something like you know, going to that livinghope.info slash connect and letting me know what's going on in your life. Or you can, if you've got my number, you can text me, you can email us, you can do all kinds of things. We would love for this connection to stay live and not to, uh, uh, not to fall by the wayside. So uh, thank you to all of you who have given so generously and continue to do that. Uh, most of you are giving online now. Livinghope.info slash give takes you right there. Uh, you can still give uh, to the church overall or you can still give to specific things using that little drop down. Uh, thank you to those of you who have been so generous. Um, letters went out this, this week. Actually, I think she just took them. I think Deb took them to the post office on Friday uh, with a little thank you note from me to all of you who gave and attached your name to that gift in some way and, um, and just spelled out in there some of the differences that you've made, some of the things that you've given to uh, this past year, which is frankly amazing. So thank you for your ongoing generosity, uh, your commitment to furthering the work of Christ here and around the world through Living Hope Community Church. And um, and I've heard from several of you that you've appreciated the morning prayer thing that we've been doing. We're going to keep that going. Um, every weekday morning, there's a little 10-minute uh, uh, or so uh, time of scripture and uh, prayer and reflection. That's um, mostly led by me, although Pastor Judy is going to get in on the action this week. And uh, maybe going forward, we can get some of the rest of you, uh, get some of you to participate as well. Uh, if you're interested in that, let me know. But... Um, We've been trying to get them out earlier now for some of you who, uh, who start really early. And if you would like to connect live and you don't want to show up here like on a Wednesday night, um, um, 5.30 for the Wednesday night Bible study where we spread out around the sanctuary and a handful of us, you know, will talk and, and pray then. 
If you want to interact on Zoom, then this Tuesday and Thursday at noon, you can go to livinghope.info slash Zoom. It'll take you right into the Zoom meeting, and, uh, and you can join us for, it can be prayer, it can be conversation, it can be whatever you need it to be, um, but we're kind of experimenting with these things, and we'll continue to experiment, uh, so let us know um, if there's something we could do that could help you better connect with God or with each other or with a world in need of God's love. Uh, so uh, let's get into the message. What do you say? Uh, when life doesn't go as planned, boy, what do you do? Uh, how many of you this year has started out just exactly the way you wanted it to? Um, I can't see. I see that hand. Yeah, that's right. No, um, uh, most of us, you know, I, I think we were kind of hopeful, like, okay, 2020, we're done with that. Now 2021 is going to be so much better. And then, oh, my goodness, it has uh, been a surprise. So when life doesn't go like we think it will, when it doesn't go the way we imagined it would, what do we do? Um, well, in those moments, I think it's time for us to, to reimagine, to invite God to, to help us to, to get a new vision, a new dream, a new uh, imagination for what life can look like. And that's what I think God wants us to do. That's why uh, this month we've been in this series called Life Reimagined. And we're kind of walking through some of the epiphany scriptures uh, that Christians around the world are looking at. As Jesus is revealed to the world, we looked at uh, the wise men, the magi, uh, finding Christ. As they paid attention to what God was doing in the world, it led them to Jesus. And, and we want to pay attention. Um, last week, we looked at Jesus being baptized and the voice from heaven saying, You are my, my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And, and I reminded you that uh, God says the same thing about you. That as you trust in Christ, you are adopted into his family. Um, and, uh, and this week, we're going on, we're looking at Jesus calling some disciples, and we're looking at a handful of scriptures, but my prayer this whole time has been what uh, the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesians. Uh, we find it in chapter 1, verse 17. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you can know the hope and the riches and the power that he has for us. Um, that eyes of your heart, I'm praying that God will enlighten the eyes of our hearts. That's, he's talking about our imagination, that we can picture something, that we can see a spiritual reality that, uh, that we might not see if we just kind of look around. We look around at our circumstances and we think, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with this? Uh, but if God gives us that spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him better, uh, if he uh, enlightens the eyes of our hearts, you know, then we can know this, this hope uh, that we might not otherwise have. We can know the, the riches of his inheritance that he has for us. We can know his power at work in our lives. Uh, a couple chapters later in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church, that's us, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God wants to help us imagine something better. And then and we're told, and he can do even better than that. Better than our brains can even conceive of, God can do amazingly more uh, by his power that's at work within us. So today, um, I mentioned last week, we were looking at scriptures that reminded us that we're not slaves anymore, slaves to sin, slaves to, uh, to anything, that we have been set free by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, as we trust in him, we are adopted as his kids uh, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, he's, he says, well, in the verses right before that, he says, God sent his son to buy freedom for us who were slaves so he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we're his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. Abba, the language of their day to say, Dad. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. 
This is true for us. And I encourage us at the end of last week's message to picture God saying that to you. To concretely imagine you know, God turning toward you like God uh, spoke to his son Jesus at his baptism. To imagine God speaking to you and saying, you are my child. I love you. I am pleased with you. You, you are my delight. You bring me joy. See, um, the devil will lie to us constantly and tell us that, you know, we'll never escape from that slavery to sin, that we can never really change. That's why so many of us give up on making resolutions every new year because we know, ah, I'm just going to make, make, make a resolution, then I'm going to break it, so why, why even try? The, the devil tells us we can never change. The devil tells some of us we don't really matter to God. And you may have believed that lie. These lies may have held you captive but God wants to help us get free of them this year, this morning, today, whenever you're watching this, whenever, whenever you're engaging with, with this worship service. God wants to set us free. He wants to tell us the truth, to break those lies down, to, to, to end their hold on us. Uh, in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 10, the apostle Paul says, though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. He's saying there are lies that are told to us. There are pretensions. There are arguments that get made by our enemies, uh, by our enemy, the devil. And he says, no, 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 we're, we're demolishing that. We're, we're getting rid of those lies we're going we're gonna to let the truth of God shape our thinking. We're going to have our minds renewed so our lives can be transformed, like it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We're going to take captive those thoughts and say, look, that, no, that thought doesn't belong to God. We don't believe that. That is not true. And we are going to, to center our minds and our hearts and our imaginations on the truth that God has for us, on the reality of his love for us, of his presence with us, so that when we dream of our future, when we picture how we're going to live this year, this week, how we're going to interact with the people that we bump into later today, that we're not going to, we're not just going to think, oh, this is going to be like before. It's going to be a struggle. I'm going to fail. I'm going to get angry again. I'm going to, I'm going to ignore that person or I'm going to cast them aside or they're going to be rude to me and I'm just going to shrink back or whatever it's going to be. All those ways that we are frustrated by the ways life has gone, we can picture something different. Because God is with us. So we're going we're to do that a little bit uh, later here this morning. I love that, uh, that Scott sang that song uh, from Psalm 139. Um, it's all about God knowing us and being with us. Let me, let me read part of that psalm. Uh, psalm 139 says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. He's saying, look, you're, you're here. You're, you've got me surrounded, God. You're, you've got your hand on me. You're holding on to me. You know me. Whatever I do, I sit down. Oh, you're with me. You know it. If I get up, oh, you're, you're right there with me. Because where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. Rise on the wings of the dawn, settle on the far side of the sea. Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, well, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. Saying nothing 
can separate us from God. Nothing can hide us from God. He goes on to, you can read it later yourself, Psalm 139, I encourage you to. He talks about how God has known us from the time he knit us together in our mother's womb, that he's been thinking about us uh, from then. And then he, he ends it by, uh, by kind of going off on the people that he believes are God's enemies, the wicked and the bloodthirsty. He says, don't I hate those who hate you, Lord? And, uh, and then he ends it, uh, I'm, I'm thankful he does, and I kind of feel like these are back-to-back maybe on purpose, saying, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I feel like God, uh, after getting to the end of that and hearing us pray that at the end of the psalm, might say, well, you know, there's that bit about uh, hating those folks. You think I hate them. And, uh, <laughs> um, we might have some work to do right there. But this whole psalm is about how God knows us, how he is with us. And some of you, I know, when you think, okay, when I, when I say, you know, God has good plans for you, or when I say, you know, God wants to do amazing things in your life, I know there are some of you that are saying, like, uh, I don't think he does for me. You know, Rich, if you knew what I've done, or if you knew my past, uh, I don't think, you know, you'd be so optimistic on my account. I don't know that, you know, I think I kind of blew that shot a while ago, um, I don't know, I mean, we've got folks of every age in our church. There may be some of you who are just thinking, it's too late for me because you think, well, I'm old enough now that it's like, you know, I, <laughs> I've got so much history of doing things wrong behind me, there's not much time for me to make up for that. And um, look, God does amazing things with people, even in the, uh, in the last decade or years of their lives. Uh, people make amazing transformations and amazing things happen. Uh, do not give up on the fact that God has a good future for you. Don't think that, that uh, God doesn't know what he's talking about when he says, no, no, you're, you're my child. I've chosen you because he knows you. He knows what you've done. He knows what your life has been up to this moment. He knows what you're thinking about five minutes before you, this service started, what you were looking at on your phone or on your computer or whatever. God knows all of that, and he loves you, and he's calling you into a, a better future. Uh, we see that uh, in, um, in the story from John chapter 1 that's given to us today, uh, as Jesus is calling some of his disciples. That's where we are in kind of the, the story of, of the Christian year. Uh, we've, uh, we've celebrated the God's sending of his son in Jesus at, at Christmas time. Now we've been celebrating the beginnings of Jesus' ministry. And one of the first things he does is reaches out to people uh, and draws them to himself, calls them to follow him, to be his disciples, to walk with him, to learn from him, to, to be his ambassadors, and to work with him in bringing about God's kingdom in the world. And so in John chapter 1 and verse 43, we, we see it says, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Uh, if you're reading along, if you, if you read John 1 later, you see he just has called uh, Simon Peter and Andrew. He's, he's just called them, and now he's going to call some more. It says, Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Sorry, I added the in there. That's, that's not written in there. But um, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Well, come and see, said Philip. So just, just see for yourself. So apparently they're, they're walking over to, to meet Jesus, and it says, When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. I don't know where he's going with this exactly. I don't know if he's making a joke or jabbing at Nathaniel or, or he's just genuinely looking into Nathaniel's heart. Nathaniel's confused. He says, uh, how do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. 
which seems like an overreaction to Jesus saying, eh, I saw you under the fig tree over there. Um, but he has this strong reaction, and Jesus says, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, you'll see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, which is a reference to himself. Jesus often refers to himself as the Son of Man, as the human one. Now, I don't know what exactly was going on with the fig tree and, and why Nathaniel was so impressed that Jesus said, I saw you. Uh, maybe Nathaniel wasn't just under the fig tree and like Jesus was seeing him over there. Maybe this was, you know, uh, something Nathaniel was doing earlier. Uh, many have speculated that maybe Nathaniel, that's a regular place he would go to pray and that it's a secluded place and that no one would ever see him, you know, that he was doing that to get alone with God. And for Jesus to say, well, I saw you under the fig tree, uh, says to Nathaniel, look, I was there when you were praying. I was hearing your prayers. I was with you. Uh, when you were alone with God, I was there as well. That's one theory. I don't know. Um, I'm, this is part of me that thinks maybe Nathaniel was misbehaving under his fig tree. I don't know. I don't know what was going on. And, and for Jesus to say, well, I saw you under the fig tree. And he's like, oh, man, you, you saw what I thought was being done in secret. Uh, there are other moments where Jesus seems to say those kinds of things to people, and it, and it impresses them. That, uh, in John's gospel especially, as, as Jesus has the, this seeming supernatural knowledge of people's lives, they seem to say, whoa, okay, you truly are from God. You wouldn't know that otherwise. And so Nathaniel um, believes that Jesus is the Son of God, the King of Israel. And Jesus says, okay, look, I, he's, he's told him, again, I know you. Right? That's kind of a theme of the, the scriptures that we're looking at today, is, is God saying, I know you, and I, I choose you. I'm calling you, uh, yes, even you, into this new life to follow me, to, to be my disciple. I'm calling you. He says to him, look, you're going to see greater things than this. You think it's impressive that I saw you under a fig tree. You are going to see greater things. Jesus kind of shifts from what, what he has seen to what Nathaniel will see. He's, he's trying to give him some, some picture, some dream, some anticipation of what is coming in the future. And he refers to this, uh, uh, he says, you'll see heaven open, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, which is a weird picture. Um, but he's getting it from Genesis chapter 28. Um, and maybe John in his gospel is trying to make a connection because Jesus just said to Nathaniel, you're a true Israelite, you know, like a child of Israel. And this is a story of Israel, of when he was still called Jacob, uh, in Genesis chapter 28, where he was leaving his family to go off to the, uh, another land to find a wife. And to, he doesn't have anything to him, his own name. He is, he's just, <laughs> Jacob has already been living up to his name of being a, a deceiver, a trickster. He has tricked his aging, uh, nearly blind father into blessing him and, and promising him the inheritance one day. Uh, and as he is leaving now his father's house with an older brother who wants to, wants to kill him, uh, Jacob has this moment, this encounter with God in Genesis chapter 28. Um, it says he had, uh, uh, he'd stopped for the night and uh, grabbed a stone, put it under his head for a pillow, lay down to sleep, and he had a dream in which he saw a stairway or a ladder, depending on how you translate this, resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you'll spread out to the west and to the east, to the north, to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. 
I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Jacob wakes up from his sleep and thinks, surely the Lord is in this place. I didn't, I was unaware of it. He says he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? There's none, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And he calls it Bethel, which means house of God. Um, he stands that, that stone up as a, as a marker and, um, and marks that place where he encountered God. Has this vision of the Lord saying, I am with you and promising a beautiful future, giving him a dream for his future. Again, saying, you're going to have descendants, you know, like the dust of the earth. They're going to spread out in all directions. You're going to own this land. I'm going to bless the whole world through you. And Jacob, at this point, has like nothing. He doesn't have a spouse, let alone kids. He doesn't, he doesn't have land himself yet. It's been promised to him, but he hasn't received any of that at this time. But God is giving him a picture of his future. And in this encounter with God, the the thing that grabs his attention in this dream is this stairway or this, this ladder that, that angels are climbing up and down. It's like this is the gateway to heaven, to the presence of God. And Jesus says to Nathaniel, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, on me. He's saying, I am this ladder, this stairway. I am the, the gateway into the presence of the Lord who promises to you to be with you to bless you, that he encounters you, that he knows you. And just like Jacob was a scoundrel at this point in his story, it's like it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. God knows you. He knows all that already. And he's still saying that he loves you. That's why he sent Jesus for you and for me. This is the good news that Jesus goes on to proclaim everywhere and to everyone is that the kingdom of God has come, that God is making things right with the world, and all of us are welcome to enter into it. Uh, there are other scriptures that we're not going to take time to, to look at. Um, you, I might encourage you to read 1 Samuel chapter 3 later if you'd like to. That's one of the scriptures given us to reflect on where uh, the young Samuel is serving in the temple with Eli the priest. And uh, in, in a day when the word of the Lord was rare, and there weren't many visions, it says, and Samuel repeatedly in the night hears a voice calling to him, Samuel, Samuel. And he's confused. He's not heard God's voice until Eli the priest tells him finally on the third time, like, oh, oh, look, this is God speaking to you. When, next time you hear this, say, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. And Samuel does, and God speaks. It's another one of these moments where God is present, and God is speaking, and God is calling. It's usually called the, the call of Samuel, because Samuel then goes on from this moment to be a great prophet of God, used by him to communicate his good news to the people of Israel. Sometimes it's good news, sometimes it's, it's challenging news, but to communicate the word of God to people. And this is where we are today. God knows us. He sees us. He is with us. And he is calling us into a life that is different than the life we've lived before. Which for many of us is very good news, right? We're like, yes, I don't want to continue the life I've been living. I don't want to continue uh, to be a slave to those sinful habits or those addictions. I don't want to continue to be fearful or anxious. I don't want to continue uh, to fail in the ways I've failed over and over again. Um, whatever it might be that you are excited to leave behind, God is saying, yes, let me call you from that into this beautiful future as my child, as my own. That you can, you can be a part of the work that I am doing in the world if you will trust and follow me. To some of us, frankly, that's a, it's a much more challenging call because you're not so eager to leave behind what you have right now. You know, he's calling you to, to shift your allegiance, to, to shift your priorities, to, to maybe... Um, 
Well, I don't know. What are the things that have a hold on us, the things that, that claim our allegiance, the things that claim our attention? Um, it could be our stuff, you know, that Jesus repeatedly says it's difficult for the rich people to, to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's like trying to squeeze a camel through the eye of a needle, um, which he does say, all things, his disciples, when they're like, whoa, what, what's going on with that? He said, look, all things are possible with God. You know, it is possible, but the wealthy people that we saw follow Jesus in the Gospels were people who then were extremely generous. Once they realized how generous God had been to them, they realized, oh man, all this that's been entrusted to me, I can't just keep this for myself. I've got to be generous toward others. I've got to help meet needs. God's going to use me to help answer some prayers. That person that's crying out for help and that person that's crying out. It might be that uh, we have gotten so addicted to our own comfort that we've gotten used to walking through challenging situations and just kind of putting our blinders on and plugging our ears and saying, I'm not hearing the abuse that's taking place around me at work uh, where that person's being mocked or that person being made fun of or that, that fellow student, that classmate that everyone else is kind of ganging up on. I'm just going to, I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to gang up on them, but I'm sure not going to speak up or do anything about it. And it might be that God is calling us to a more active role in coming alongside some of those who are hurting Letting them know that they're not alone. Uh, standing up for them. Being a voice for people who haven't been able to find a voice for themselves. I don't know what it's going to be that God's going to call you into. But I do know that he is calling. I do know that he knows you. That he's with you. And that whatever God calls you to do, he's going to help you do it. We can get so stuck in our past failures or our past patterns that we can't even imagine doing something different. But... Um, that the fourth passage given to us today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're really not going to spend time with it other than for me to quote a couple of verses. Um, we're in the middle of this. The Apostle Paul is, is talking about the change that God is making in our lives. In verse 11, he says, he's just been listing some of the, some of the problems, some of the, the destructive ways of life. And he says, look, that's what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. A few verses later in, in chapter 6, verse 19, he says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. He's saying, look, you're a temple of God's Holy Spirit, the, the, the powerful Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is present in you. If you're trusting in Christ... If, if he has forgiven your sins and embraced you as his child, then he has given you his Holy Spirit. We just were reading that at the beginning. The Spirit that prompts us to call out Abba, Father, to recognize God as our loving Heavenly Father. This same Spirit empowers us to live a new way and is with us wherever we go. I wish that I had the... Uh, um, I wish I had half the skill of Martin Luther King. I mean, here, I don't know about you, but uh, with Martin Luther King weekend, I, I tend to go back and, and uh, read again his I Have a Dream speech or uh, some of the other things that he wrote, some of the other things that he said, uh, to kind of go back and remember uh, some of the amazing things that, that he said that inspired millions, that inspired a nation uh, to make changes. Not all of it instantaneously, uh, but he painted a picture that, that was compelling, Talked about that some last week, that we have this picture in our minds of this dream, this, this picture of the future that we might have, and it draws us toward it. It impacts the choices we make each and every day. And, and of course, he painted this beautiful um, picture uh, with his I Have a Dream segment that he closed his, um, his speech with at that, um, I can't remember now what the movement was called, the March for Jobs and Poor, I can't remember. Anyway, I'm looking at Scott because I'm thinking, well, he probably knows this stuff, but anyway. Um, there in Washington, D.C., 
as he inspired people uh, to change, inspired people to greatness, inspired people to dream of a better future where, um, you know, his, his kids would be judged by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin, and all the rest. And I'm, I'm reminded, I mean, in my head, I can't escape that as I'm thinking about, okay, God is calling us into a better future. He wants us to be able to imagine something different, something that draws us forward. And so I want us to, to take just a moment uh, in, in, in a minute, I'm going to quit talking, and uh, we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing. We're going to celebrate communion together. Uh, but first, I want us to do a little imagining again, all right? So maybe you need to close your eyes. I'm not sure. This is, this is one way that we can take those thoughts captive. This is one way that we can uh, have the eyes of our heart enlightened, is by us concretely picturing the truths of Scripture and, and picturing a future in our life where we believe that that is true, all right? So maybe uh, right now, maybe you're going to picture, uh, I want you to, to look forward for a moment, to imagine something that you might encounter. Maybe it's something you know you're going to face later today or tonight, uh, tomorrow perhaps as you get back to school or to work. Um, some moment, maybe it's a moment, uh, some moment where you need to know that God is with you, all right? Maybe it's a moment of temptation. Uh, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's as soon as this service ends and, uh, and you click off of it on Facebook and Facebook takes you to something else and, and takes you to something else or YouTube takes you to something else and it's something that leads you down a path of watching stuff you shouldn't watch. I don't know. Um, maybe, you're, maybe it's pulling you into a consumeristic spiral where you're going to want to shop for things. I don't know. Some moment that you're recognizing as temptation, something that you're realizing, ah, man, I, I fall into this pattern so often. And I know I'm going to face this tonight, or I know I'm going to face this tomorrow. Maybe it's some moment where your obedience is challenged. Maybe it's a moment where you tend to, to feel and experience that despair or that anxiety or that fear. Take a moment. Maybe you need to close your eyes and picture yourself in that moment, facing that challenge, that temptation, that, that, that moment. And now I want you to you know, picture yourself where you're standing or sitting, uh, the person that's in front of you or the device in your hand or whatever it might be. Picture that moment. And now picture that Christ is right there with you, that Jesus is looking over your shoulder and, and watching what you have on that device, that Jesus is standing next to you uh, in that little moment where you're talking to someone else, listening to what you're saying and listening to what's being said to you. Picture that he is present with you. We've been told repeatedly today that he is with us, that we can't escape his presence. So I just want you to picture Jesus there with you. And now realize that he's not there to, to shame you or to condemn you. He is there to help you, to call you to something better. He's there to encourage you, to strengthen you, to give you the, the courage you need to respond the way you know that you need to in that moment. He's there to, to comfort you, to reassure you, to calm the storm that rages in that moment of anxiety or, or fear. Picture Jesus with you. and Maybe you need to picture him turning towards you and, and putting his hand on your shoulder or speaking words of encouragement or challenge or comfort or whatever it might be. Picture that as concretely as you can, as, as vividly as you can, as if you're painting a movie in your mind, all right? Painting a picture, creating a movie there in your mind. And now understand that this is the truth of it. That the next time you face this situation, Jesus really will be there with you. And when that moment comes, 
You don't have to continue the same pattern you've continued before. Jesus will be right there with you. The Holy Spirit of God will be present there with you to enable you to respond differently. To give you the courage to speak up. Or to give you the wisdom to be silent. To help you to put the device down. To help you to take a few deep breaths and experience his calm and his peace. None of us have to continue the patterns that we have have lived in before. Jesus knows us. He knows those patterns. He knows what we have been stuck in. And he is telling us today, he is inviting us today into something better with him. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for inviting us into a future that is better than the past. God, I pray that you would help us to, uh, for this truth of your word to be uh, so vividly real in our imaginations, in our dreams, in our picture of our future, uh, that, we can, we, that we can't help but, but live that way. That in that moment, we will be reminded of your presence, of your power, of your strength, of your comfort, of your grace. Thank you, God, for inviting us to walk a new path with you, to live a new life with you, to see ourselves, again, not as a slave to old patterns, but as your child, set free from all that junk and embraced by you, welcomed into your family. You have given us the gift of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would help us not to ignore that, or to take that for granted. But that as we walk through life, we we will avail ourselves of the power, of the strength, of the guidance, of the wisdom that you give by your presence with us. Thank you, God. Thank you that you have reached out in love to ordinary, messed up, broken sinners like us. You have not condemned us or pushed us away. But out of love for us, you have come near. You have come to us in Jesus Christ. You have entered into our broken, sinful humanity so that you can defeat those powers that have held us captive, so that you can heal what is broken within us, so that you can give us a life where we had brought death upon ourselves. Lord Jesus, by your life and death and resurrection, you have set us free. You have met us here in our reality and you have transformed it. Help us, God, to live in this new reality that you have made possible for us today. Thank you for this sacrament that we get to celebrate in just a few moments. Even though we can't gather together around your table, Lord Jesus, again, we believe that your spirit is present with us right where we are. And so for those of us who have gathered elements of bread and juice or the the nearest approximation to those, God, we offer to you these gifts, these simple gifts that you have provided. We just offer them back to you in this moment, praying that by your spirit's presence with us that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood, that this might be a means of grace for us today. We offer you ourselves, and we pray that by your Spirit's work in us, you would transform us, that we can 
know ourselves to be your kids, not slaves, that we can know ourselves to be free, that we can live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands, as your feet, as your ears, as your mouth. Thank you, God. Thank you for the transforming work that you do in us. Continue to renew our minds so our lives can be transformed, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. As we prepare our hearts to, uh, to celebrate communion together. So, uh, if you haven't already, now is a great time for you to grab some bread or some juice or something there uh, so that you can celebrate with us in just a moment. Amen. Thank you, God, for the transforming work that you do in our hearts and in our minds as we trust in you. Um, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat the bread. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the price you paid to purchase our freedom, to make a new life possible for us. Thank you that we don't have to clean up our own act, but that you do this transforming work as we trust in you. You forgive our sins. You wash us clean. And then you help us to live this new life that you invite us into. Help us this week, God, to be mindful of your presence with us, to know your strength, to allow you to lead us into this beautiful future that you have for us. Thank you, God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.